What's up, guys? It's Luke. I hope you get a lot out of this awesome message. Philippians 3. Turn your Bibles to Philippians 3. We're, uh, we're going to go through that tonight. Um, we're skipping through uh, some verses, the first chunk, but then we're going to go all the way from verse 7 through verse 21. Um, I said this last week, and I want to say it again. This is different than a normal message that I would preach. Usually, a lot of times we're in um, you know, a sermon series where we're talking about certain topics and what the Bible says about those topics. But last week and this week, um, being that we're kind of in this weird winter, Christmassy holidays time, um, we're just going to read from the Word, and we're just going to glean from what it says um, and preach out of that. And small groups are going to be the same thing. After I'm done with this message, you guys are going go to go into small groups. Um, I'm not going to talk for that long, probably maybe 12, 15 minutes tonight, because um, I don't want to talk for a long time, because I'd rather have you guys have time in small groups. But here's the thing. Um, you will only have the growth that you desire in your faith that is contingent, that's a big word, that, that, the, the growth that you want in your faith, it relies on pouring out a lot of times. Um, how many of you know, I'm, if I'm just hoping that if I put a seed in the ground, if I'm just hoping that it sprouts and turns into an apple tree, you can only hope so much. It's probably not going to happen. It's not going to sprout. So what we need to do is constantly invest in our faith. And one massive way that we do that is in our small groups, is in times where, you know, and it's not just your leaders, it's you guys saying, hey, I'm actually, I'm reading this verse and this kind of thing stuck out to me. And then somebody else in the group is like, oh, that actually made me think of this. And then another person's like, wow, it's really interesting you say that because I was thinking about this. And this is what I get out of this verse. And this is what God's speaking to me through this. That's how we grow. My old youth pastor used to say that revelation comes from the platform, but growth comes in circles. That... Uh, when a lot of preaching is a lot of, you're like, wow, I've never heard that from the Bible before, or oh my goodness, Jesus is real, and he's good, and I want to give my life to him. A lot of that stuff happens in this kind of context, but we grow as Christians in our small groups and and conversating with each other about Jesus and about our faith. So we're going to dive in. Philippians 3, starting in verse 7. I'm going to pray really quick one more time, and we'll dive in. Father, speak through your word. We believe this is truth. Uh, it's not just some truth. It is the truth, God. In an age where um, people just have all kinds of opinions, Father, we only want to know your opinion. We want to know what, your, what you say about life and following Jesus. So, Lord, teach us and lead us. Amen. But what things were gained to me, these things I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him. Everyone say, know him. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now, I'm just gonna go out on a limb and I'm gonna assume that for most of us, we have no idea what Paul just said. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> I'm gonna explain it because I'm teaching. So I've been thinking about something a lot lately. I'm, I'm teaching from the New King James Version, which is uh, 
sometimes a little harder to understand, especially for us as Gen Z and as a, a late millennial. Sometimes we read scripture like this and it doesn't really make a lot of sense to us. That's okay. Because what I would rather do is go through this together and explain what it means and really what the Bible is trying to say rather than just be like, oh, well, here's like a dumbed down version of this. Because I never want to do that. I want to bring you guys up and teach you so that you can be in any Bible translation or just reading the Bible and understand what it's saying. Does that make sense? So anyways, this is what Paul's saying. He says, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yes, indeed, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. What is he saying there? Because that sounds super confusing. The first six verses of Philippians, Paul is basically listing off all of his qualifications of how he's like this super righteous, super holy dude. He's making this case to the people that he's writing to, and he's saying, hey, if this was about works, I am set to go. If this was about being from the right family, the right tribe, the right religion, all that stuff, I'm set to go. I've got it all figured out. But then you get into verse seven, and he says, all these things that I thought were a big deal, it actually means nothing when I compare it to following after Jesus and and the righteousness of Christ that comes with following after Jesus, okay? Everything that would make Paul seen as a holy person, he says, none of it even matters. None of it. It doesn't mean that being a good person following a certain, following, well, in this case, Christian faith, doing good stuff. It doesn't mean that that stuff doesn't have any merit or value. It absolutely does. But what Paul's saying here is, actually, I'm gonna keep reading and then we're gonna go. But he says, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Okay, pause there. This is the beauty of this gospel that we follow. What Paul just said. He said, all my ways of trying to impress God enough that I land in heaven for all of eternity, none of that matters. It's not about how good you can be. It's not about how, how much you can avoid cursing. It's not about how much you can just be better, do better, not watch those certain things and just clean up your act and then God will accept you and then you get to go to heaven. That's actually a lot of people's understanding of what Christianity is. And it breaks my heart because I don't know if you've ever heard anything like this. Maybe you have. Maybe when you get a little older, you'll probably hear somebody at some point say something like this. Like, oh, I could never go to church because if I stepped inside the church, that place would burn down. I'm such a sinner. Like, I could never go inside of a church. Or, you know what? I've actually had conversations with people who have said this before. You know, I'll present the gospel. We're talking about Jesus. And they're like, they're like hey, just give, me, just give me a while. Just give me a while to like, you know, take care of some stuff. And then we'll like talk about the Jesus stuff. As if we have to just find a way to be perfect and then come to God. And then that's when he accepts us. It's actually the exact opposite of that. The process of, of becoming a Christian is you bring your mess to God, you bring your guilt to God, you bring your brokenness to God. He accepts you as you are because that's what Jesus paid for. And then he goes through the process with you of cleaning things up. It's called sanctification. Everyone say sanctification. 
It's a big word, and it me- it's the process that God takes us through with the Holy Spirit of cleaning up our lives. And <clears throat> I love, he says, not having my own righteousness. Paul is saying, it's not about how good we can be to get to God. He meets us in our mess. The lie of shame is that we need to clean up and be perfect before coming to him, but it's the exact opposite. I wanna give you kind of an analogy. It's kind of like this. Imagine if um, you know, you're doing something outside and you're getting really dirty. You're doing yard work or you're, I don't know, riding dirt bikes or something like that. And you're just, it's the end of the day and you're just covered in mud, okay? You're just covered in mud and grossness and everything and you're just disgusting. It's kind of like this. You knock on someone's door, total stranger, but you've heard good things about them. You're like, I could trust this person. You knock on that person's door and you walk inside and they're like, hey, so glad you're here, man. Wow, you're really kind of a mess. But dude, hey, glad to have you. So glad to have you. Come on in. Let me get some food for you. They welcome you in the house, even despite how messy you are. And they welcome you. And man, it's so good to finally meet you. This is awesome. Love you. I, I, I can't believe it's taken this long for us to meet. And you're like, wow, this person really, really cares about me. And you have some food and you hang out for a while and the person's like, hey, can I offer you maybe, I got a towel, some soap, I got a shower with your name on it. <laughs> like, can, can I offer that to you? Now, you have a decision to make as a person who has entered somebody else's house who has given you their hospitality. Most people would say, yeah, I should probably get cleaned up a little bit. Thank you so much for the soap and the shower and the towel and everything. Let me, let's, let's, let me, thank you for helping me in this. Let me go cl- get cleaned up. But there's a lot of people that just stop at being welcomed into the house. I'm going somewhere with this. A lot of people stop at just being welcomed into the house, but there's a process that God takes us through and it's we come into his house and he helps us get cleaned up. He helps us work out the sin in our life. How does he do that? It's through the Holy Spirit, okay? That, but here's the thing. Like I said, a lot of people pause there. They pause at just coming inside of the house and being welcomed. And the, get, or the, the owner of the house is so welcoming and so loving that he'll let you stay. But how much better would it be to enter into somebody's house and just be welcomed and say, you know what, I'm gonna, I wanna get cleaned up and do whatever I need to do to make sure that this experience is the best thing for me and this person who's hosting me. That's this life of sanctification that God leads us in. But I wanna continue on because we don't have a lot of time. Go to verse 12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but... I press on. Everyone say press on. Everyone say press on. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many are as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. That second part that Paul's talking about there, he's basically saying, hey, let's have this all in common. Everything that we're talking about, let's be of one mind. That's what Paul's saying there. But I wanna go to that first part. He says, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfect. He's saying, hey guys, I'm writing this. I'm not perfect yet. I am not writing from a place of perfection. I'm writing to you because I'm in the thick of it. He says, but I press on. 
Not just press on from sin, press on from persecution. This guy, Paul, was in jail writing this. This guy was being persecuted for his faith day in and day out practically. But he says, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has already laid hold of me. What is Paul saying? He's saying there is an invitation to you and to me to move on from our past. Maybe you don't have as checkered and colored of a past as I do, but I can tell you in my life that I've made some mistakes and some decisions that I mega regret. And I know I'm not the only one in this room. We probably all look back on our lives and we're like, yeah, I've done some dumb stuff. Anybody else? Let's just be honest. You've done some things that you regret in your life? Okay, great. Glad we're all on the same page. What is, what is Paul saying here? He's saying, hey, there's an invitation to move on. And not just move on, press on. We forget the things that are behind us and we press on towards what? Just being a better person? No, we press on towards Christ. We press on towards eternity. We press on towards everything that God has for us. The enemy, the devil, because there is a enemy of your soul that doesn't want you to grow in your faith. He doesn't want you to grow in community. He wants to hold you back from everything that God has spoken over your life. He doesn't want you to live life abundantly that Jesus promises us. Everything that God wants for you, the devil wants to snatch it away and he doesn't want you to experience it, okay? There is an enemy of your soul that you can't see that is waging war against your soul. But don't worry, because Jesus says victory is in him, right? He's overcome the world. Take heart, I've overcome the world. But that enemy wants to keep you held back by your past, the devil will constantly remind you of past mistakes to try to get you to move forward with Christ. He does this in my life all the time. And he may do it in your life. And you may not even realize that it's the enemy or a, or, or the, or a demonic attack against your life. Not to scare you. But we, we don't think in these terms a lot of times. The enemy will find ways to bring things back up. Mistakes that you've made in your life so that you're like, wait, oh totally disqualified. I can't follow Jesus. I've made too many mistakes. That's starting to sound like the person that says, ah, I can't step foot in the church. That place is going to burn down. The truth of the gospel, the truth of what Paul is talking about here is that we have permission in Christ to move on from our past. Yes, you've made mistakes. I have made mistakes. I have done things, even in the last week that I've said and thought and things that I've done that I'm like, man, I wish I could take that back. But in Jesus, in the grace and forgiveness extended to you by God himself, you have permission, boys up top, I need you to focus. You have permission to move on from those things, to move forward in Christ and not be held back by the mistakes of your past. I'll give you a story. I had a friend a few years ago, and he's still a, a friend I would consider. We just don't talk much anymore. And I was kind of discipling this guy, meeting with him once or twice a week, and talking with him, and he was, you know, part of certain ministries that, ministries here, and um, he was a very, becoming, quickly becoming a very close friend, and like I said, this was several years ago, so, and I had a meeting with this guy, and he had struggles and issues and sin that he was dealing with in his life. We all do, right? And he, just things that just repeated, and he just kept falling into the same sin and the same shortcomings and the same stuff, and we would be talking, and I'd be like, bro, 
I'm telling you, you begin to walk in the grace of God, like own your stuff, let's talk about it, let's get accountability, all the things, but man, rest in the fact that you're forgiven, there's grace for you. And for some reason, this guy just couldn't accept that he was forgiven, that he, was, that he had permission to press on towards the goal, that, he, that, that he's free in Christ. So what did it do? It stopped him from coming to church. He didn't want to be around Christians. He didn't want to be around, he didn't want to hear another message or worship or anything like that. Why? Because he couldn't fathom and understand the grace of God and he just sat in his shame. And I pray for this guy all the time that he would come back and he would truly encounter the grace of God. But when we don't understand this, that we're free in Jesus, it doesn't mean that we're free to sin. It means that we're free from sin. I'm gonna say that again. doesn't mean that we're free to do whatever we want. It means that you're free from the power of sin. So the next time you're faced with temptation, the next time that you wanna do that thing or say that thing or hang out with that person that you know you shouldn't or participate in that activity that you know is wrong, I dare you. I dare you to start talking to God and saying, God, I just invite you in this. I'm not controlled by this temptation. I'm not controlled by the power of sin. God, help me walk through this. I'm telling you, there's moments in my life where I've invited God into the moment of when I wanted to sin so badly and I wanted to engage in whatever temptation or whatever habit and I wanted to participate in that. I wanted to give myself back over to that. And every time when I said, God, I invite you into this right now, he made a way. So we gotta understand that we need to press on. Learn from your mistakes, but don't dwell in your mistakes all the time. Don't constantly be thinking, man, I'm just the worst person ever. I can't believe I did that thing a year ago. I'm just terrible and God can't possibly forgive me or love me or have a purpose for my life. Man, that's the farthest thing from the truth. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but we press on. Amen? Amen? Awesome. We're gonna close here. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I've told you often and now tell you even weeping. Basically, what is Paul saying? He's saying, he's saying, hey, I'm literally crying as I'm writing this because I believe in it so fervently. He's saying, there are those who are enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship as Christians, followers of Jesus, if you've given your life to him, our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eager, eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. That second part, Paul's talking about, hey, there's, a, there's coming a day when all things are gonna be perfected. We're gonna have new heavenly bodies. That's a whole theological thing that I don't wanna talk about right now, but it's amazing. But I wanna focus on the first part. He says, join in following my example and note those who do so walk. He's saying, so obviously Paul, the apostle Paul, he's, he's long dead now, okay? We're getting agree on that. This guy's not still walking around. But you have Christians in your life who have been doing it a little bit longer than you have. You have, we have, we have awesome leaders here at the Rock Youth. You have hopefully your parents to follow their example as they pursue Christ. And what is Paul saying here in, in Philippians? He's saying, do yourself a favor and follow the example that's been set for you. 
But he says we got to be careful of which examples we're following. We got to be so careful of the examples because he says, hey, there's some good examples to follow. For them, he's saying, hey, follow my example that I've set for you. But then he says, and those who also walk under my example, follow them, pastors and leaders and teachers and just other more mature Christians, follow their example. We got that. That's easy to understand. But he says, there is a pattern of the kind of example that you should not follow. If you ever are wondering, is this person a good influence in my life? I want you to use this scripture as reference. I'm gonna read it again. For many walk of whom I've told you often, saying there are some people that we've talked about who are enemies of the cross of Christ, who are enemies of Jesus, who are enemies of followers of Christ, who are enemies of the kingdom of God. And he says, and this is what they have in common. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and their glory is in their shame. What does that mean? It means that their direction is towards destruction They serve only their own desires and pleasures and they brag about shameful things. I'm gonna talk about those three things for literally one minute and then we're gonna close in a song of worship. Actually, we'll close, we'll go to small groups. First one, he says their their end is destruction. In, In other words, the way that they're heading is towards destruction. How do you know if you shouldn't follow somebody's example in your life? Well, this first thing that he says is the the direction that they are heading in, destruction follows them. Relational destruction, uh, destroying people's emotions and feelings, destroying uh, their their families and, and their friendships and their teachers, their language and their speech and their actions. It's that of destruction. Who are the friends in your life? And maybe you're that person. Who are the friends in your life that are constantly leading you towards destructive tendencies, either destructive towards yourself or destructive towards other people? Second one, they serve only their own desires and their pleasures. How do you know if somebody is not a good example to follow? Because they only look out for themselves at the end of the day. They only look out for their own desires and their own pleasures. It's all about me, what I want every single time. That's it. And I'm just going to use you to get whatever I want. But the way of Jesus is one of humility and putting other people first, like we talked about last week. Last one, they brag about shameful things. They brag about shameful things. They, they get excited talking about the sin that they've been partaking in. Anybody have friends like that? They, they, they can't wait to get to school and tell you the new upgrade of of sin and brokenness that they have engaged in. They can't wait to tell all their friends, bro, I did this with so-and-so and it was just, it was, and they're like describing it and just getting everybody all like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. What? That's kind of what Paul's talking about here. He's saying there's some people and whether they know it or not, they're against the agenda of the kingdom of God. Why? Because they're bragging about things that don't represent the kingdom of God. I encourage you to be that bold Christian that walks away from those conversations. Because who's going to do it? Who else, aside from us, 20 of us in this room, who else is going to be the young Christians to say, I don't like what's going on here. And you don't have to be rude. Like, I'm, uh, 
God wouldn't like this. Peace out. You don't have to be like that, but all right. Hey guys, I got, I got to run. I'll see you guys later. Why? Because I don't want that in my soul. I don't want to be around that. I don't want to be around those influences. When there's conversations happening that you know, just say like, oh guys, sorry, I got to, I got to run to class or I got to finish a homework assignment. Well, maybe don't, don't lie about it, but say, hey, I got something I got, something I got to do. I got something I got to take care of. And that thing you got to take care of is just like praying and say, God, deliver me from. Somebody's got to do it. I want to see, and this is such a big prayer, and we're going to close and go to small groups, but man, can I, can I get, can I give you a little picture of what goes on in my heart every day? Can I do that? Do you want to know what I think about? I want to see, your generation loving and following Jesus. But that starts with you guys. Because I can do what I can do. Our leaders can only do so much. And we love spending time with you and talking Jesus with you. But it takes the people on their school campuses that are saying, I will be different despite the cost. I'll be di- I, will sta- I will stand boldly for Christ. I'm not going to be that mean, hypocritical Christian that just judges people, but I'm going to take a stand for some of this stuff, and I'm going to be so stinking loving towards people and so welcoming and so just like, I just want to love on people and care for them and share the love of Christ with them. That's what it takes, and that's when we're going to start to see, I use this, I'm going to use this word, revival and awakening and a change in your generation. Do you want that? It takes all of us. It takes me and my behavior at Starbucks when my coffee's taking too long. <laughs> and it takes you when you're in school and people are having those rude conversations about your one weird smelly friend. And you're like, you know what? Actually, I'm going to go over and I'm going to be with them and I'm going to talk to them because they need somebody to love on them. Father, thank you for tonight. Lord, bless our small group conversation. We love you. God, would you... Um, continue this conversation, Jesus. Would we not tune out, but God, would we lean into what you're saying? Would this not just be nice words from the Bible, but would it be transformative? We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. That was such a great message. If you are interested in connecting with us, please check out our website at therockca.com slash youth or text the Rock Youth MS or the Rock Youth HS to 33222 for texting updates on everything we have going on here at the Rock Youth or follow us on Instagram at the Rock Church YTH. We'll see you guys next time.